Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon. What is up, everybody? We got Scott Lease in the house. What's up, Brian? Um, so Scott, let me let me introduce Scott. For those of you that don't know Scott, uh, I would say a lot of you probably do, though. So Scott is the founder and CEO of Scott Lease Consulting, six-time sales leader, not six-time author, like I said, in the middle of the uh, Enterprise Sales Summit, right? Okay. He, he is an author, though. He did write a book on that, and he is the founder of Thursday Night Sales. On top of that, I'm sure there's tons of, oh, Serpent Sales Podcast as well. Is there anywhere else, you have your own Patreon group? Is there anywhere else where, where I, I didn't hit on all the Scott Leesisms? Probably other places, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, so we got a couple people bracing. So uh, Scott, let's, let's kind of kick things off, man, and uh, walk me through with you, just kind of like your story and how you got to this point because like, I didn't truly know and understand you, I think, until we did the Enterprise Sales Summit. And so you were just kind of like this guy out there who would write these posts that are like five words, 10 words. And you have, I learned a lot about you kind of through the, the summit and, and understanding you through that was on your podcast. And then I saw some things as well on uh, Thursday Night Sales where you kind of shared your story. And that was things that I never truly really heard about or anything else um, throughout kind of my time or, or anything else. So can you kind of share with us and everybody on LinkedIn Live, just like what happened, um, how you kind of got to this point? Because there's, you know, Scotty's Little Sales Club I heard about, and I heard about a bunch of other things that kind of created Scott Lee. So can you walk us through that, man? Sure. Um, I'll try to get through it quick without telling my whole life story, but you know, I, I think I was shaped by, first of all, being an athlete my whole entire life. Um, I played four sports up until about halfway through high school and then had to pare it down to two. Um, and then two sports in college. So I, I have this like hyper competitive driven kind of uh, mindset. <clears throat> then as to dig deeper into my psyche, like, um, 
I could have gone to a couple D1 schools to play one sport, and, and I really wanted to play both. And so I sort of thumbed my nose at the schools that wouldn't let me play both. And so I went to a smaller school so I could play both. So there's a little bit of that, like, anti-establishment thing kind of starting to, uh, to come out. Um, I didn't study business in school at all. I have no sense of, like, how to make money or anything like that. I mean, I was going to college in the late 90s in San Francisco in the middle of the first dot-com boom, and I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. Um, I mean, I got through college without having an email address. That's how old I am. Wow. Um, yeah, totally. Like, people who knew me back then are like, wait, what? You work in tech? How to use a computer? They're, like, shocked that I know how to do anything. Um, but, uh, you know, ended up playing soccer, like, uh, a little bit, you know, even beyond college and, and stuff and went to grad school. But then I, I was 23, 22, almost 23 years old. And I got super, super, uh, sick and, uh, took a while for them to figure out what was going on, but got diagnosed with a couple autoimmune diseases, most notably ulcerative colitis. Um, but did not like a mild version, like the version that sent me to the hospital and you know, I lost like 60 pounds in like four or five weeks, um, started to have organ failures, all sorts of garbage. Um, I basically had to spend four years in and out of the hospital, mostly in the hospital, um, fighting for my life. Um, had nine, I've had nine surgeries, uh, four major abdominal surgeries, two life-saving surgeries, got hooked on opioids through the illness and hospitalization process. Um, so I was 27 years old before I, you know, got healthy enough to kind of rejoin society, if you will. And, um, didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. Just know that I felt way behind and was very humbled by everything that happened and was just kind of dying for an opportunity, you know? And so I, I, I picked sales because it was the only thing I could think of where I can make as much money as possible. And if I outworked everybody, you know, I'd have more opportunity. And I understood that competitiveness and that, that drive and whatnot. Uh, I think from being an athlete and, and I had a deeper appreciation for the limited number of opportunities that we have. And I think my sense of urgency has been heightened ever since because of, because of what I went through. So, you know, got, got into sales that way. Um, fortunately for me, turned out I was pretty good at it. I, I was only a sales rep for like six, seven months and got promoted to sales leadership straight away. And I've been building and scaling, you know, sales orgs uh, ever since, either as an operator or, a, or an advisor. Um, so that's, that's the short version. Dude. That's impressive. I, I, I'd be curious what the long version's like. <laughs> the long version's very heavy. <laughs> I mean, very heavy. Nine, nine surgeries, autoimmune disease. I mean, that's a lot, man, to take on earlier in your life. Yeah. And well, you, grow, and, uh, you grow up, you grow up way faster. You know, I think a lot of people who are just finished with school, um, you know, you spend your early and mid twenties, like learning who you are, what you want to do, you know, messing up, goofing off sometimes. Like, I didn't have any of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, 
and and so I I think I had a different level of like maturity that was forced upon me, you know. Um, and towards the end of the illnesses, like the last year, um, you know, I had I was having major colon cancer scares. I had precancerous growths and tumors forming and all this stuff. And so you know, they're like, we gotta we have to remove your entire large intestine. So I had, I had a total colectomy, so I have no large intestine. So it's like I went from being a two-sport college athlete, man. You know, I'm 6'2", I weighed like 195, to going down to like 140 pounds, like not being able to get out of bed and walk to and from the restroom on my own because I was too weak, um, to being, you know, filleted open nine times, major surgery, being hooked on hooked on morphine and and – oxy and every pain med that there was just to get by to you know now i'm out here in the world and it's like what am i gonna do right but what i was blessed with through it all is is what i keep coming back to is like my sense of urgency was through the roof and you know you you take somebody like me who's extremely competitive and you deprive them of the opportunity to compete for four years and like i got shot out of a cannon you know so I move, I move at a quick pace now and, and, and don't waste too much time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine that. I mean, I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, cause that's massive. I mean, and so wait, you said you were on the shelf for four years. Four years. So you were, you were going through this process for four years of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it started about two weeks before my 23rd birthday and, uh, it quote unquote ended. Um, I think I got released right around my 27th birthday. Yeah. Wow. And, and so Scott, I mean, that, and you don't have to get into this, you don't want to, but like what triggered it? Was it just kind of, nobody knows, you know, that's the beautiful thing. (laughs) That's, that's the beautiful thing about what he'd gone through. It's like, was it, uh, you know, genetic, I don't know. Was it, um, stress related? Who knows? They, They don't know. And, and I'll never know. And um, I try not to dwell on that. I certainly had a lot of thoughts about that at the beginning, like most people would, you know, why did this happen? Why me? Yeah. Whatever. Um, but it just, it is what it is now, you know? And um, I'm, I'm as healthy now as I'm going to be, um, which is not healthy on, on normal people's standards. Uh, so it's something that I'll have to deal with for the rest of my life. But um you know, for me, I'm in, I'm in good shape for me. Yeah. Well, Hey man, I mean, like that would explain a lot. And I mean that in a positive way, because I've seen you in different situations, you know, whether it be on Thursday night sales or just talking to me or talking to other folks, like I've seen you speak very deep and emotionally that a lot of people aren't comfortable with. And so I'd imagine that that came from some of the experiences they have. And you're just kind of like, screw it. I, this is what it is. This is what I'm going to do. Cause you, you have that attitude, man. This is one of the things I love about it. You're just like, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. This is what it is. This is what's happening. Like take it or leave it and go with it. You know what I mean? Well, I think there's not enough people who, uh, who really speak, you know, their mind and the truth about certain things. <clears throat> I think people try to get into a little bit too much of a, a character, you know, or a particular persona that they display, you know, on screen or 
through their writing or whatnot. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's sometimes where I, I talk about this stuff and it's just like matter of fact, there's other times where it gets emotional for me. It's like, it's been almost 20 years and I'm like, why am I, whew, you know, why am I choking up talking about this 20 years later? But it also allows me, I think to have much greater empathy for others who are going through or have been through different struggles. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and as a leader, I'm willing to go there and mm -hmm. I'm willing to meet people where they're at. Right. Rather than say, you know, Hey Ryan, keep, keep your baggage at the door, dude. Let's focus on business. Like I'm just, I'm not that guy, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm much more the guy that's like, yeah, what's going on, man. Talk to me about it. Right. Like, um, give me all, give me all, the, give me all the dirt. Give me all the medical stuff. Give me all the, you know, psychological stuff. Like, how can I help you get through all this? How can you be a better person? Because better people sell better. So we'll worry about your fucking pitch later, you know. And, uh, and a lot of people are not ready for that. You know? A lot of people. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who are like, oh gosh, you know, I wish I could work for somebody like you. But there's a lot of other people that ran away kicking and screaming who didn't want to work for me, right? Because they didn't want to go there. Um, and you know, that's that's up to each particular individual. I just I only know one way to be now. And when you go through some things like I went through, like the fear is gone. You know, it's like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know how easy it is to get another job in sales? Like, right? We're, we're, we're employed forever because somebody somewhere needs some shit sold all the time. Mm -hmm. and no robots can take over, right? So I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Am I worried about, you know, losing a bunch of money? Whatever. I know how to make money. I'll make it back. Right, so it becomes very freeing once you, you know, can uh, embrace that kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on so many levels with that because, um, yeah, I mean, you got nothing to lose, man. So because you almost lost everything, right? And I can't even tell you how many people that either I've worked with um, in terms of I led, managed, or even mentored or coached. And it always goes back to the psychological component. Every single time, there's something there that is stopping the person from, from doing what they know is right or doing what they need to do. Um, so I think, um, so let's talk a little bit more. So one of the things that, that um, you said that I thought was, was really interesting was like how that like really shapes you and just brought a fearlessness to you and how you approach things. Would you say that because of what happened to you back when you were 23 through 27 and, and still working kind of through on an ongoing basis, would you say that's kind of created your superpower when it comes to sales or, or what would you, what would you kind of classify that as? Um, I don't know if it's as much about like sales acumen kind of superpower, but I, I just think, I think some of my superpower is not not living in fear, mm -hmm. right? I think some of my superpower is my my ability to bounce back and, and be resilient, right? It's like, you think if I make 50 calls today and nobody buys from me, I give a shit? <laughs> is that the hardest thing I'm going to go through? Come on. So there, there's, there's a different level of perspective that I have that I think allows me to shake failures and frustrations off. I think that's mm -hmm. a superpower. Um, I think being able to connect with people where they're at 
is a superpower and, and being a really good intentful listener to my people as well as to prospects, I think has been uh, helpful. I think my sense of urgency is, is a bit of a superpower. Um, the flip side of that is like, I'm in extremely impatient. You know what I mean? Like I, if we're, if we're in a sales cycle, like I don't understand people who want to take two weeks to think about it. So I could push people too hard sometimes. Um, the positive of that is like I push. So I'm always trying to close on like next steps and timelines and things like that. So some of these things just, you know, come, just come naturally to me now. I don't, they're, they're not even conscious thoughts. They're not something that somebody had to, had to teach me. And so when I get in, when I'm in the role of, of, a, of a leader or a coach, I'm like trying to teach Ryan how to, you know, move faster. Like you got an idea, take action. Don't, don't think about it. Don't deliberate on it. Um, it comes out of me, I think with like total sincerity and, and authenticity because I think a lot of people know now kind of where I come from and what I've been through. And I'm not, you know, I'm not some Harvard MBA that, you know, <laughs> has had everything handed, handed to them. Right. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and to get on a less serious note, I wish I had the uh, picture you were talking about with the, the Jesus hair from college that you were rocking. We could, <laughs> we could have done a side by side, but I'm not that sophisticated. So we'll have to save that for a future reference, man. Well, I'm going to pull those out someday. <laughs> You do it for the throwback Thursday or something like that. So, um, but, but like, yeah, I mean, I set sets of urgency drive, uh, like you're talking about the raw nuts and bolts of like grit is what I think. And I know it's a little bit overused term, but there's a lot in there. Um, so what would you say that folks are struggling with today? Cause you're saying like, Hey, one of the things you're trying to is connecting with people where they're at today. So what would you say? And I know you posted about this, but what would you say? Salespeople are struggling with that today. And then sales leaders are, are kind of at today, what you're seeing in terms of the pulse. I don't know that salespeople are struggling with anything new and different in terms of why they're not closing deals and, and stuff like that. I, I think if anything, salespeople are struggling more with personal challenges and, and the mental health challenge from being, you know, isolated and, and maybe not working in an office and working at home for the first time and like mm -hmm. trying to work with two little kids tugging at their attention all day long and dogs barking and you know what I mean? Like, and at first there was this adjustment period and everybody was like pretty gracious with it. And then there's this period where everybody's kind of in the zone. And I think now we're entering this period where like, everybody's on the last lap of this race <laughs> and I think everyone's fucking fried, man. You know? um, and so I think, I think reps are struggling with that. Like I was just having a conversation with somebody 30 minutes ago and they were like, Q3 was fantastic. And then I woke up and it was start of Q4 and I was like, are you serious? <laughs> you know, like, really? Um, and for, for leaders, uh, I, I think the leaders who are struggling are the ones who who don't want to meet people on this human kind of level. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been managing by the numbers and the metrics and the pipeline, 
you know, for so long, it's such an abrupt shift and they can't control those things as much now. Right. Um, I can't look over your shoulder and tell you to pick up the phone, you know, cause you're only on 10 dials today. Um, I can't control the energy in the office. I don't know what my, you know, reps are doing at home and, and you're trying to lead in these old ways that maybe used to work and they just don't work anymore at all. And I think that the workplace and employees are, are rejecting those type of leaders a lot stronger and a lot sooner and more aggressively than they, than they have before. Um, you just don't need to put yourself through that anymore, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I saw you posted about it. I, I felt like I was talking to someone earlier today too. And they're like, how you doing, man? How's the summit been going? And I'm like, I literally feel like I was, I'm in college and I just got back from spring break. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I feel like tired, worn out, you know, so I'm going to recharge this weekend. But like I could relate with what, what you're talking about with people um, feeling like Q3 was amazing, but like I'm toast right now. Because yeah. like, like, so it's hard to recharge. So like, what do you do? And I, I know you've talked about like recharging with working out, not skipping workouts, doing walks. What what else do you, I mean, what would you recommend for people in terms of recharging now? Because this is a real thing. Like I'm, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday morning with the same thing and she's not in sales. And so you're seeing it just everywhere, right? So where do you think, you know, like wh- how are you handling it? What are you seeing people that are handling it amazingly? Um, how are you kind of handling that? I'm, I'm not handling it as well as I was before, to be honest with you. Um, I have been motivated and, and determined and hell bent for 16 plus years now. And, and I am finding myself right now, not wanting to do anything candidly, you know, I just rounded out, um, my first year uh, working for myself and I had an amazing year financially, professionally, network wise. Everything. Um, and I'm like, I really don't want to do anything today. You know, I'm like, I, I got today. I have, I'm doing this LinkedIn live with you. I have three podcasts that I'm re- recording and I have Thursday night sales and I have four client calls. Okay. And I woke up this morning and I'm like, I just want to cancel all these. <laughs> I see. Like that's, that, that, that thought comes in my head, and I don't usually think that way or operate that way. So I'm in the mode now where I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do anything, but guess what, dude? You're doing all these things. You know what I mean? So I'm having that internal dialogue in my head, which I'm not used to because usually I'm just like, let's fucking go. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to roll, right? And if I have empty times in my day, I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Why didn't I? you know, book something. And now I got this block calendar and I'm like, Jesus, I just want to go take a nap, man. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not handling it as well. You know, my, my outlets have been severed as right as well. Right? Like I usually go overseas multiple times a year on week long surf trips. Okay. So I haven't surfed since late February and I live in Austin. I don't live in San Francisco anymore. So I haven't been able to get in the ocean in a long time. This is, this is not good for me, for my physical health, for my mental health. Um, and I have, and I'm immunocompromised. So I have had to be extra shelter in place, cautious, 
So the, the physical kind of interaction, you know, in real life and, and camaraderie and friendships and seeing family, like I've been isolated for, for a good while now. And it takes me back to being in the hospital, to be honest with you. It's like, I did four years of that shit. I really don't want to do four more years of it. And now we're, we're going on, you know, like March, April, May, June, July, August, September, nine months. This is nine months. So I'm, we're almost like, I'm at like 16, 17% of a stint that I already did in terms of isolation. And so I think what I'm trying to do about it, to be honest with you, is just like, I'm trying to talk about it. I'm not trying to lie about it. I'm not trying to fake, you know, I'm not trying to power through. I'm not going to post fucking workout videos of myself on LinkedIn and the 4 a.m. club, you know, I lifted for the 56 in a row. Go fuck yourself. You lifted 56 <laughs> in a row. I don't give a shit. Guess what? Guess what I did? I got my ass out of bed. You know how hard that is? Because I don't feel good. I'm in pain. I got two preteen boys that are driving me nuts. I've spent every day with, with my family for nine months in a row, no free time on my own, right? I got I got a lot of work going on. Dude, I don't want to hear about your 5 a.m. workout because you're, you're 27 years old and single with no kids. Whatever, dude. I can't relate to that at all. So I'm trying to give voice to, you know, people like me who, who are doing the best they can trying to juggle all the things that we got going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's, there's Ryan, a lot of Ryan's over there going, well, shit, I've been working out at 5.00 AM. Damn. I'm like, maybe I should delete that post that I was going to put up for a uh, Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> maybe I need to revamp. No, no. Like here's it. I do work out at 5.00 AM. Right. But here's my butt. Here's my butt. Um, today I'm supposed to wake up at 5.00 AM. I'm like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, I'm like, I'm not like, so I, there's a lot of times where I can relate and I know exactly what you're talking about, man. Cause it's different, you know? And, and, uh, I struggle with it too. Like totally like same exact thing. Like literally I was a machine last year where I work out, you know, wake up at four 30, work out at five. Now I don't post about it. I don't get any, like, I got, I still got dad abs. I don't have like real abs or anything right now. I got the dad abs going, you know? So, um, but yeah, I was, I was legit. I was now like, and it was four days a week and maybe cardio. Now, like I've been rocking three days a week and I'm, I'm happy with that for right now. Right. My yeah. wife and I were talking about a vacation, like exactly what you're talking about. Like we got to do something. You're legitimately booking a hotel. That's like 20 minutes away, going there, swimming at an indoor pool that you have to book a time for <laughs> just to mix it up. You know? So like, I know what you're talking about, man. Now, yeah, now that I can relate to. Did you do that at the twenty minute away hotel too, or no? No, no. But <laughs> I'm thinking that's a good idea. Now I can relate to that. I should look into something like that. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's like I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Like it's whatever, one tenth the size of our house, a hotel room or whatever. But like, hey, let's mix it up. Let's see something different. Different. It's a different four walls. That's what. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and like here's the thing with the the the. The um, pool, you have to reserve it because there's only so many people. That, so you have to reserve a spot where you can go for an hour and then go in the pool, whatever. So, anyways, it's it's sounds totally bizarre and weird, but it's uh, and it's funny too. Like, like have you done anything? Have you gone on any dates with your wife or anything like that? Have you done anything interesting from that perspective? Oh man, I'm gonna get crucified. No, 
walked me right into that one, dude. I apologize. I ap- I haven't done anything either. But you walked me right into that one, man. Oh, no. no, we haven't. We haven't. We haven't gone and done any of that kind of uh, kind of stuff, you know. And so it's, it's starting to get uh, starting to get tricky, you know. And all of our all of our family uh, is in California, okay. And you know we're trying to figure out now: can we go home? Should we go home? How would we get home? Um, and so just kind of trying to plan some of that stuff, you know, to see if we can if we can make it work. And it's it's confusing and it, it's stressful. Um, and I, you know, I, there's a lot of people going through it. Is is my point? And so I'm just consciously making a decision to sometimes power through, right? And remind myself like, nope, you're not allowed to just mail it in and call it off. But I'm also trying to pay very close attention to my body. And if my body is, you know, failing me or telling me I need, you know, rest or I need to cancel something and I, I feel it like really mm-hmm. strongly, um, you know, then I'm, then I'm trying to do those, those kind of things, you know, and I'm, I'm not sitting here in my desk stationary, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I take as many phone calls as I can instead of Zooms nowadays. Um, you know, I probably walk my dogs a couple miles a day. Um, you know, the weather has been pretty good the last couple months in, in Austin. So we go to the gym, they have an outdoor pool. So we do like some little morning swim dates, my wife and I, if that counts while my kids are in school. Um, but, you know, just trying to, just trying to get through it in the same way as everybody else. This is this is one of the times that I feel very lucky to be working for myself now, right? Um, it's, I think it's probably a lot easier for me being able to control my own schedule, not have a boss telling me what to do. You know what I mean? I don't have a quota. My quota is whatever I decide it is. So they're, they're, I'm, I'm grateful that I put in the time early on in my life to give to give me the chance to have some freedom and flexibility now. Well, and that that brings it to a great point, man. Because like I heard, you know, I I jumped on Thursday night sales last week, and one of the things that you talked about, which with uh, Amy, and I think she almost like literally reached through the camera and punched you in the face, is uh, you're like, yeah. Like I'd, I'd encourage you to go out and, you know, do your own thing earlier because I thought it was easy in my first year. And she's like, yeah. what? You thought it was easy? Yeah. You know? So I, I think there's, there's something there, man. And, and a lot of people approach it from different angles, but so how did you approach it to create an environment where, I mean, most people fail, right? And I know you've been very successful in your first year as a, as a solopreneur. And so congrats, man, that's awesome. But like what, What's your framework? What's your mental model in terms of approaching that? Because most people do not find it easy. Um, this is this is some of those moments that you know I tell it like it is and and tries to backfire on me a little bit. But like you know, it's easy because I spent 16 years doing arguably the hardest thing you can do, which is launching companies from scratch with no customers and no support, putting everything on my back, right? The lights go on and off depending on how well I do. This company floats or dies depending on how well I do. I did that for 16 years, okay? 
and I was successful as an operator five out of the six times taking companies from zero to, you know, 20 million or so. Okay. Mm -hmm. I hired and fired <clears throat> thousands of people interviewed, you know, and more than that. Um, I have the battle scars to, <clears throat> to sort of, to fall back on, right? Like I have been through these things. I can speak about selling. I can speak about managing. I can speak about startups and recruiting and, and tech and tools and all these different things. While I was doing all of that, I started thinking about my exit strategy because I realized about job three, maybe job four, that there was a pattern here <clears throat> and I was replaceable and, and, and I was just, I was just a number to, to, to founders and to companies. And, you know, I'd take a company from zero to 20 million and like, I'd have to justify my existence suddenly because the board and the CEO would want to like bring somebody in who's taking a company public or something like that. And I'm like, what the, what is this shit? You know? And then, you know, I go to the next company and it's like, there's a pattern here. The pattern is year one, they think you're a hero. They think you're God because they don't know anything about sales. They admit it. That's why they brought you there. Year two, they've seen you do some things. The stakes are a little bit higher. They're getting all these, you know, people in their ear, investors and board members and whatnot. And they start to like judge you and question some of the things that you're doing. And you kind of, you're like, God dang, man, leave me alone, dude. Get off my back. Like I was, we're, we're doing pretty good. And I was crushing it before you started bothering me. And by year three, I'm like, fuck, dude. I don't even, why am I here, man? This is like, this is, this is brutal. So I, I started planning my exit strategy and I started picking up side hustles and I started diversifying my income. So it's like I buy a rental property, right? I pick up a little consulting gig here and there. Mm -hmm. I decide to write a book. Uh, I start surfing sales on the side. We start surfing sales podcast, right? So what I did was Here's my regular income. Just gotta find my camera. Here's my regular income over here. And here's my like side hustle income, right? And the side hustle thing started going like this. And as I felt it growing, by the way, I also like started investing and in building my brand on, on LinkedIn and other and other platforms. Right. <clears throat> so my side hustle income just like starts growing. And I'm like, dude, I think I think the formula here is get to a place where all the stuff I do on the side matches my income from my regular job. And then I can quit. And so that, that became my plan. You know, how do I do as many different things as I can bring in all this revenue for myself. And then I can say sayonara to working for somebody else. And let me see how it goes. So I had built up a book of business. I had built up a reputation. I had built up, a network. I had built up partnerships. I had a couple customers already when I walked away from working for somebody else, right? So I de-risked myself in a way that a lot of people don't, right? And and so from from that perspective, I think that it, it has not been anywhere near as hard for me as it is uh, for other people who who went about it a different way.
Oh yeah, because you're running down. Well, I don't want to say you're running downhill. You're never running downhill, but you. I mean, most people go from you know making up here to jumping down here. So you do the smart thing about having it kind of side by side. Yeah, because that I think I mean, and here's the thing, and I didn't do that. You know, I started from scratch. I started quote unquote building my brand, but I didn't like have any other additional components. And yeah, that definitely would make things a lot easier mentally and emotionally, like as you're kind of starting, you know, so. So, so um, why don't we talk about or, or hero worship people who have done it differently. We tend to hero worship the people who, you know, quit with no backup plan and who, who have no money in their bank account who are, you know, trying to build something. It's like, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with people who try to do it that way, but like, to me, what I did is a lot fucking smarter. You know, why don't why don't we why don't we teach people to test the entrepreneurial waters in a way that's a little safer for them, right? Yeah. And, and it's a little less less risky if it if it somehow doesn't go, you know, the way that they uh, they had hoped. Yeah, no, it, it totally makes sense, man. Because you, you did the hard work before. Right? So you, you do the hard work during versus waiting and like, okay, here's A, now it's B. Like you started working on B in advance, which is smart, man. So, um, so any recommendations or insights, thoughts you would give to folks that are trying to follow in the same path to kind of expand on what you're talking about? Because there's a lot of people that are unhappy right now with their current employers. And I see them wanting to head down that path. And, and so uh, any other advice that you would give or recommend? Well, look, I, I think if the pandemic has taught people anything, it should be that having all your income tied up in one job and one source is a terrible strategy. I mean, how many millions of people lost their job, right? How many companies back in March just laid everybody off straight away? How many people have been unemployed for months, right? Um, so the best advice I can I can give people is like start figuring out other ways to monetize your time. You know, don't don't put all your eggs in one basket. I don't care if you're making 50 grand a year or 500 grand a year. Like if that main gig disappears and you got nothing else, you're in trouble. Right? I don't care how you make your other money, whatever you're passionate about, you know, um, dig in dig into that. And, and, and learn, learn about it and study it. And um, you don't, it doesn't have to be super lucrative. You know, the first, my father-in-law gave me a good piece of advice a long time ago when, when I was first, first getting into real estate investing. Um, it, it was like trying to think of it. I don't know the quote exactly, but the gist of it was um, any property that you can cash flow or even a couple hundred dollars a month positive mm -hmm. is a deal worth doing. He's like, you just paid your energy bill for the month, right? It was like my Patreon group. My Patreon group now pays my mortgage. Think about that. I only started Patreon in, I don't know, July or August, a couple months. It pays my mortgage all of a sudden, right? We've done surfing sales. I think we're, we did 100 episode 165 we recorded earlier today. We just started that this year. We have a bunch of sponsors now. Okay. That pays XYZ bill 
So I just started thinking about like, what can I do to bring in even a couple hundred bucks at the beginning? Right. And even now I, I think that way, like, well, if I do this particular thing, will that bring me 500 bucks profit? Okay. 500 bucks. That just paid a couple cell phone bills right there. I paid for my groceries for the week. Right. I think, I think people get stuck with side hustles or extra income because they're trying to take down too much big revenue all at once. Yeah. Right. They're like, how do I make 20 grand a month doing this side hustle? Shit. It doesn't start like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Start with some smaller goals and build up to these things that I, I, I I'm scared for people who are, are stuck with one source of income right now. Yeah. No, it's, it's great advice. And I, I, I took a little different approach. I did have real estate before. I, I did online poker. That was one of my things that I did for uh, money when it was legal. And then I, I did uh, daily fantasy football. And um, this, is, this is something that I actually pulled down 100 grand in like three, three months doing it. Yeah. You made $100,000 playing fantasy football? Yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, like the DraftKings FanDuel stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So See, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Kudos uh, to you. Kudos to you. There's a lot of risk involved in that though. That could that could have gone that could have gone south. But <laughs> well, kudos to you. That's that's wild. Yeah, this was I don't know, like three, four years ago when it um but yeah, I was I made the world finals for one of those events and like it was in a, had like 180 people and it was like a three million dollar first prize. So God, my mind is blown. I was one of those people that was going for the big money, like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was. But there's so many different areas, like you're saying, that you can invest in. And you're right. Like I would go for those, like same thing, online poker. I would go for those big tournaments, and I never talk about this. I've never really talked about this in the business setting, so this will be an interesting episode. But like literally, I'd always go for those million dollar tournaments. I'm like, all right, I'm one of fifteen thousand people. I could totally get this, you know. And I came close on the football thing, but uh, but yeah, be careful because there's a lot of uh, a lot of losses with that along the way, and there's yeah. really I, big risks. I, I tend to be I tend to be very fiscally like conservative. I don't I don't spend money frivolously, and I hate losing more than anything. So like I can barely even play fantasy football against my friends for a hundred <laughs> for the season because losing just like rips my soul out of my body. So for me to like play online poker, if I lost like a hundred bucks in the first 15 minutes, I, I would walk away and just be like, Oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why did I, why did I do that? So I, I can't, I can't gamble. I can't do it. I don't, I don't, I don't gamble. Like I, I used to before um, at all. Like I'm, my perspective on it's changed, but like you look at, if you look at fantasy football and poker, for example, like everybody's like, Oh, it's just luck based. Right. And they're like, Oh, it's, you know, 60% or 30% skill and 60% luck. And I saw someone kind of explain it and they're like, that's not actually true. Cause like the amount of luck isn't correlated to the amount of skill. Like those are two separate categories you got to look at. So like, if you really look at it like a portfolio over time, like the best players are always going to win. Like it's just, it's just variance that you experience. Same thing with like that daily fantasy stuff. The reason why I stopped doing it is because there, there came so much like bots and tech that people were using that it just like it, it destroyed the opportunity. You know what I mean? 
So anyways, but uh, yeah, sorry for getting off on a random tangent there, but uh, this is good stuff, man. So um, made money off of it. That's a win. Yeah, it was fun too. I loved it. So, so anyways, man, so where, where can people find you? Um, how can they learn more about you? And I, I know there's a lot that you're doing right now, but where do you want to focus them to? Um, you know, today's Thursday. So the first thing that comes to mind is, is Thursday night sales. Um, I've been running the, uh, the world's largest and longest running, uh, virtual sales happy hour for the last like 35 weeks or something like that. Um, every Thursday night at eight o'clock Eastern, uh, Amy Volos and I, um, that's the easiest way to like get a couple hours of my time, to be honest with you. You know, Amy and I sit there and field questions from the audience and have fun and laugh and have a drink. And uh, today's a Halloween episode, actually. So everybody's supposed to show up in costume. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm super active. I respond to everybody. So, you know, you can hit me up there. Um, it takes me a long time, though, because I've got – I'm maxed out on connections. I, I've got a busy inbox. Um, so I've been sending a lot of people to Patreon lately, you know. So it's a small community that I've built. There's about 200 people in there now. Um, it costs $10 a month. So I think I my joke is like eat one less bowl of Chipotle every month. And, you know, I, I throw like three or four private sales trainings a month on there, um, live events and stuff like that. Um, and then Richard and I do the Surf and Sales podcast. We drop new episodes every single Monday. And, uh, yeah, that's the best, uh, best way. And if you're, you know, if you're looking for somebody to help you grow and scale your sales organization, um, I've done it a lot of times and that's, that's my niche and that's my specialty. And, uh, you know, check me out, scottleesconsulting.com. Awesome, man. Well, it was great having you on today. You did not disappoint as I expected you would not. So, uh, thanks man. And I hope you have a great night tonight, uh, on the Halloween episode of Thursday night sales. Yeah. Thanks Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.